0: Uh, from the sermons and music, God has really just made it His way, <laughs> um, and so, man, it's 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 just a, a good morning to be in God's presence. And um, we have started as a church. We started a series on Easter Sunday. If you're new with us, uh, we started an Easter Sunday series called The "Elephant in the Room." And what we've asked people outside of Restore Church and both people inside Restore Church to do is to ask the questions that the church has never answered. Or to ask the questions that you've sat in church, you've wanted to ask, and maybe the church has answered, but it's just not been in an adequate way. And so we've asked you to ask us those questions, and we would take our best crack at them. Uh, as we were, as we were kind of, or as I was kind of going through those um, those topics, uh, one of them in particular, kind of broke at me, kind of broke my heart a little bit. And the, the question was somewhat surrounded by, like, phrased this way. Uh, what do I do when I'm hurt? You know, I, I thought for a minute, like, again, last week we talked about communion. And I thought, man, that's an odd question for to come through during this series. But, you know, if our, if our people or people outside the church have never thought about communion, but we just went through the steps of it, man, we really ought to understand. The first week we talked about can we really believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and I think we came to the conclusion that we really can put our confidence, in the fact that there was an empty tomb, and the most logical conclusion is that Jesus rose from the grave. This question kind of broke my heart because there's been people in the church and outside the church that see a Christ that talks about um, healing, that talks about being resurrected, that talks about a new life, but yet, we as Christians are still asking the question: How do I play hurt? Now you know you know me, and if you don't, uh, one of the things that you'll learn very quickly is that I love sports. Uh, there was a joke, an ongoing joke for a while, that I couldn't preach a sermon without a sports illustration or talking about a sports story. I think the stories that grip us the most in sports and in athletics are the players who put uh, others in front of themselves. They sacrifice for the team, and they play hurt. I don't know if you guys remember, the uh, it was like 2004 World Series, Curt Schilling's on the mound for the Boston Red Sox, and they, the camera keeps going down to his ankle. Anybody remember this? He had had surgery on his ankle just four or five days before. And as he's pitching through the game, man, he is cruising. He struck out like 15 people in that game, but the camera just couldn't stay off of his sock. Because his sock was as red as the red on his jersey because his stitches had busted open. And we were gripped as we watched Curt Schilling just mow down the Yankees. And we all know that God hates the Yankees, so it was perfect. And uh, we're all on his side, not only because God hates the Yankees. Let me say that again. God hates the Yankees. But because... We were rooting for this player to, that who was playing hurt, Jim Abbott, early 1990s. He throws a perfect game. That means no player reaches first base on an error, a walk, or a hit. Twenty-seven batters come up, 27 batters go down, no one comes up. What's amazing about that is Jim Abbott was born with one hand. He would put his glove on one hand, he would pitch, but as he would come through his release, he'd slide his glove on ready to play. It was amazing. I don't know if you remember the 1994 uh, NBA Finals. It was the the Chicago Bulls, and everyone loved the Chicago Bulls because of Michael Jordan. But news came that he might not play in game five of the finals. It was two games to two games, and the Utah Jazz had John Stockton and Carl Malone, and everybody kind of loved them. But then there was Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman. And the series is tied two games to two games. This is a crucial game five of the series, and it, the series is kind of up in the air. And the news reports is that Michael Jordan woke up that, that morning with, uh, with flu-like symptoms. Now, as I researched this, it might have been that he was hungover. But for the sake of the story, we really need him to have the flu here, okay? He woke up with flu-like symptoms. He, uh, he warmed up, but, man, he was just so dehydrated. He couldn't participate in the pregame warm-ups, but he came out, donning his 23. One of the most iconic photos of, of uh, Michael Jordan as he walked off the court after scoring 38 points, seven rebounds, five assists, and three steals is him leaning heavily on Scottie Pippen as Scottie Pippen drags him off the court. Man, we rally around these stories of of players who play hurt. Are you hurt? Have you ever been hurt? Or maybe you're sitting in your chair right now with hurt as like your <laughs> it's like your song. It's just who you are. It's what you wear. It's It's the life you live. You ever been so hurt by people or by your past that you just want to quit? Maybe it's that you've been physically hurt and you don't know how to move on. Maybe it's been trials in your life or betrayal from a friend. Maybe it's just a lack of loyalty in every aspect of your life. Maybe it's your finances and you just can't seem to get ahead. And right when you do, something else sets you back. Maybe it's been abandonment by a parent or by a friend or a spouse. Maybe it's been infidelity or maybe it's just exhaustion. You can't stop, right? And as soon as you do stop, you know life is right behind you to to kick you in the rear end. So you just keep going even though you are so tired, I spent some time this weekend, at a, or this past week, I spent two days with other church planters at a a planter's retreat, and it's uh, interesting that this is the passage we talked about. If you open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 46, Psalm, listen to how I'm saying this, Psalms chapter 46, but when we talk about one psalm, we say Psalm 46, not Psalms 46. You guys ever have a pet peeve that doesn't make sense to anybody else? That's one. Okay, when you're talking about one, it's Psalm 46. Not Psalms 46. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, we got some people who will pass you Bibles. Uh, we want that to be your Bible. You can take it home with you. Um, but we're going to walk straight through Psalm 46. Hey, as we're talking, if you want to flip and stick your finger or bookmark somehow Matthew uh, chapter 26, that's where we're going to end. So we're going to be on Psalm 46, Matthew 26. Um, the words won't be on the screen, so you can follow along on the Bible, YouVersion Bible app or the Restore Church App and you can follow along under the bulletin section. Uh, psalm chapter forty-six. This is the psalm that uh, Dory read this morning. Uh, be good if the preacher could find it. Here we go. Let's read verses one through three together. Um, there we go. God is our refuge and our strength. Are you tired? Uh, have you have you been hurt? He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and form, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. We're going to ask three questions that at some point, uh, either today or sometime this week, or just at some point while you're hurting. or I mean, here's what's inevitable. Like, if you're not hurting now, it's coming. And I don't want to be a, a downer, but, you know, we keep it, 100. And so, look, hurt and pain is on the way. Jesus says it, right? He says, in this life you will have trouble. But he says, but take heart because I, I've overcome the world. And so, as we talk about playing hurt this morning... Um, there are three questions that we're going to ask you that you need to answer. And and this is the first one. This is one that you need to wrestle with. And it's this. Who is your strength? Who is your strength? Is it you? I love it when it's me. I like to be myself. I I like to provide for myself. I I can figure it out. Lord, I got this one. You know, I'll show them they hurt me. I'm going to I'm going to show them. You just take this one off, right? Uh, are are you your strength? Hold on. How, how about this one? This one's really unfair, but you should answer this honestly. Is your spouse your strength? Uh, they're my rock. They, they are my shield. They are my strength. They are my everything. Look, that's great, and it's beautiful, and it really belongs in a Nicholas Sparks novel, and you probably belong on the Harmark Channel with the kind of love that you have in your home. But God, your spouse can't take the place of who God is in your life. Remove spouse and fill that word with Children, they are my everything. They are my strength. They are the reason for me getting through the day. Look, in Psalm 46, David writes that the Lord is my strength, my refuge. He's an ever-present help, an always-present help in our times of trouble. But, you know, what we like to do is to say, man, I'm in trouble, and then go crawl under our blankets and pretend like we're the only one in the world who's got the issue. And God says God says right here that I am your, or David writes, that God is our refuge and our strength. Um, God provides you with power and strength in a couple of ways. Two of them. One is the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2 or in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells his disciples, uh, "You will receive power when when the Holy Spirit comes on you." He also provides power through his church. There's two young boys and they walk into the dentist office and uh, the the one the one boy says to the dentist, "Dentist, look, um, I want in and out." No, I don't want any Novocaine. I don't want any shots. I don't want any gas. I just want you to pull the tooth. No strings attached. I want to be in and I want to be out. And Dennis looks at the young man. And he said, man, you, you are a brave young man. Show me which tooth it is. And the young boy turns to his brother Albert and says, Albert, show him the tooth. <laughs> you know, we as, we, God has given us each other as a church to to provide for one another, to help one another, to get each other through this. Um, It was early, it was actually uh, the church I was before I came to Plant Restore Church. um, Our church was kind of cruising, man. We were like, we started with like 15 people um, and then in a couple years, three, four, five years, we were like right out 100 people. Dude, it was so good. I was working at a, a, a Christian university, and man, I got to be around young men who just loved Jesus and were pursuing him with their life and their career and their families. It was, it was awesome. But then there, there came this meeting. Now, anybody on a board of a nonprofit, you've been to a board meeting, you've been to one of those board meetings. It was one of those board meetings where I felt like, my guys. Like the people were supposed to have my back. Just in a matter of a couple hours, like flipped. And I don't know what it is. And we still have never addressed that meeting. But man, in those couple hours, it was almost like they didn't know me. They didn't love me. They didn't care for me. The things they said was hurtful. The meeting ended like this. Now this is a younger, less confrontational. I don't want to say non-confrontational, but less confrontational Roger it took a lot for me to really let it loose. And one guy says to me, "Roger, what do you think about all this?" And I looked at this man who I loved deeply, and I said, "Dude, it doesn't matter what I think." Man, I left that meeting so hurt. Uh, and so as I was thinking about times in my life where I played hurt, it was it was there, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to preach. Man, that was the last thing that I wanted to do was to get up on stage and look at the very people. It was a little crew. They all sat together in that back corner. Not y'all, but they sat in the back corner. And they just, uh, I felt like they were listening to the sermon, but they were just sitting there like, gotcha. Like, we, we own you. And, man, I, my heart was so empty. Like, I, I had no desire to preach let alone, I, in that moment, anybody else ever felt that, like this? Like, I didn't even want to be a Christ follower. I felt like it would be better if I weren't there. I didn't want to be in that church building. And so I, I just said to a couple of my friends, I was like, I don't know what to do. And, and one guy was like, dude, you just fake it, right? It's not their problem. It's not your, the other, other people that are there, they don't know what's going on. They need to hear God's word. You fake it and preach it. And I was like, okay, I can kind of see that. Another friend of mine was like, find someone else to preach for you. He's like, I'll do it if you want me to. And I was like, ah, eh, you're not that good of a preacher. I so said, no. No, I'm just kidding. That but a, a good mentor of mine, he said, man, you just got to get up there and say it. That you're empty. And, man, I, there's something about it. There's something about just standing. And that, that morning, that Sunday morning, I stood in, front of, and, and stood in front of this congregation to preach, feeling empty. But it, it was as if I weren't preaching to anybody else in the room. But I was standing in the face of God like, dude, I'm broken. And man, there is some power in that. When you and I decide to neglect God's strength in our life, when, when you, as a Christ follower, defer on relying on God, whose strength do you then rely on? For me, it's me. When I try to figure it all out on my own, I, I just do it on myself, like I put it on me. But maybe it's not you. Maybe, maybe when you uh, neglect God's strength, you put that on a spouse or your children or your parents. But man, I still can't get that image of Michael Jordan leaning on Scottie Pippen. I feel like God, as he watches us neglect his strength, it's like us as parents, sometimes your kids will wrestle with something or try to open something or put something together, and you're sitting there watching, and you're like, man, I, I know that I can help. And their, and their mom is right there, and I know that she can help, but I'm not going to jump in until, until when? Until they ask, until they realize, man, I just can't do it on, our, on, on my own. Dad, Mom, I, I need your help. When our kids realize they're not as strong as they think they are. We've gotten to a point with our, with our kids. We've got a six-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. And our daughter, uh, she gets whatever she wants. And it's my fault, probably. Uh, but she's so cute. You know, I j- you just... ah. Oh, it's frustrating, but she will. She she's done this, and we've kind of created this. We're sitting in the driveway. I got back from my trip, and it was, I think it was thir- it was Friday morning, and we're sitting in the driveway, and she comes up with a bag of chips and just holds them. So I grabbed them, or she she handed them to her mom, and she goes, "Mmm, mmm." It's like, excuse me, you are four years old. What do you want? Mmm. You need to ask. Mmm. Fine, no chips. Will you please open the chips for me? <laughs> it's amazing what will happen when we finally realize that we need God's help and we will ask him. Where's your strength? When's the last time you said, God, I need you? More than anything else in this world, God, I need you. My career's not cutting it. My marriage isn't providing for me. My, my friends are gone. There is no, there's nothing else in my life. When's the last time you said, God, I need you? Oh, Let's keep reading Psalm 46. David writes this in verse 4 to 7. He says, um, there is a river. Check this out. We sing a song similar to this. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. What's the purpose of that river? Look again. There's a river whose streams... Make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations, they rage. The kingdoms, they totter. He utters his voice and the earth, it melts. The Lord of hosts or the Lord of angels is with us the God of Jacob is our fortress. Um, one of my favorite preachers to listen to his name is um, his name is Wayne Smith. He he died a couple years ago. It's one of my he's got like my ultimate favorite quote about preaching. He says, preach the gospel, brother, preach it. Preach it high so men can teach it. Preach it low so men can reach it. But preach the gospel, brother, preach it. And he died a couple years ago. And I, I still like to go back and listen to his sermons. And he, he tells a story. He's like, or he, he says that we all have this idea in our heads of a trip. And while we're going through hurt and we're going through pain, we have an idea of this trip and like there's this destination. And when I finally get to that destination, all of this pain and all this hardship will be gone. Now we know as Christ followers that that destination is heaven, but sometimes we we set these like different waypoints in between as our destination. And maybe yours is like once I get married, these problems will be gone. Or, Or once I have children... This issue will be resolved once I get that promotion or that next step up in my career. Once we just get through this, our marriage will be so much better. Man, the greatest trip that uh, we went on, this, uh, we went on this recent vacation. And it always reminds me of my favorite vacation for us as a family. There's a, there's a couple in our, uh, in our church. They were getting married in Rhode Island. And then there I had a church. Um, I had like a pastor's retreat on the other side of that. And so my family, we're like, we're going to take like 10, 11 days. We're just going to do this all together. And man, it was the greatest trip. Like there was no pressure. There was no rush. We, we like, you want to stop and eat? Sure, we'll stop and eat. Where you want to go? I don't know, but we're not going to fight about it. It's the greatest trip ever. I mean, it, it is seriously my favorite vacation I have ever been on. And I, I was thinking about this week and it was like, you know what made it? Of course, the wedding, which was beautiful. Uh, the pastor's retreat, which we just didn't go to. We just stopped in New Jersey and stayed there at Atlantic City, which was cool. Doesn't make me a bad Christian. Uh, me and my wife spent time together, okay? So cool. And, um, but what made that trip so worth it was not the destinations. It was the trip. It was enjoying the time and our way to, uh, our, our way there. Here's what was special about that is that our destination was set. We knew where we were going. We knew where we were headed, which allowed us to enjoy the trip together. Instead of getting bogged down on all the little things, maybe, maybe there was a disagreement here or there. But we didn't get bogged down in that, man. Like we enjoyed the trip on our way to the destination. Maybe it's time for you to stop like looking for the solution and say, God, I'm going to enjoy you now. God, I'm going to give you glory now like even in the midst of chaos even in the midst of our financial trouble even in the midst of our family fighting what happens is that when we lose sight of where we're going we that's all we can focus on where the glory of the river or the, the river provides glory for God on its way and I think while we are on our way to our destination, our goal here on earth is to provide glory for, for, to God, not for ourselves. One of our prayers always here at Restore, before church, as we gather t- together, and whoever prays, man, they at least say, Lord, we're doing this morning for your glory, not ours. We want to make you famous, not us. But I got to tell you, our, our culture, man, we really like to focus on us. We like to focus on our hurts. Our culture tells you that, that you are number one, right? Like you, uh, focus, you need to focus on your betrayal, on how they hurt you, because that will make you stronger. In our culture, f- forgiveness is a foreign concept instead of something we should be fleeing to. Grace is a concept that you only see, it seems like, in the church. Compassion in America is non-existent. We'd rather fight and call each other names like liberal or conservative. What happens when we, when we lose sight of our end goal, which is Christ, and we focus more on the hard parts? Man, our, hard, our heart gets hard. We get cynical toward people. And at some point, it's almost like we don't want to care or want to love or want to feel if we're going to have to play hurt, we got to know that it's worth it. That there's something, someone that's bigger than all of this that we're, we're looking for. Some of you that are here this morning, you're hurting, and you need to hear this. If you'd stop relying on your own power... If you'd climb out of your pity for just a little bit and you would focus on God's glory, things will change. Okay, maybe you tuned me out because you're like, I don't need to hear that. I want you to hear this again. If you would stop relying on your own power, if you would get out of your pity hole and you'd start focusing on God's glory, things will change for you. Now that's Roger talking to Roger. Okay, that second part was for me. And if things don't change, don't turn around and blame God. Just look, maybe your perspective changes. But we need to start relying on God's power and his glory. The rest of Psalm 46 is probably the part you're most familiar with. You've maybe heard this. Maybe you're not a Christian. You've never come to church before, these verses are uh, maybe even still familiar to you. Uh, Come, verse 8, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. It's like this powerful God who's defending. Verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, he is our fortress. I want you to just look at this verse for a second. It says, be still and know that I am God. Uh, This was written in Hebrew. It wasn't written in Latin. But the word in Latin that they get from Hebrew for be still Is where we get our word for vacate. All right, so check this out. It's where we get our English word from vacate from the Latin word. The Latin word comes from the Greek or from the Hebrew word. What would happen if you vacated being God? Like if you were like, I don't even, I don't want it. I'm out. I I don't want a hint of it. I don't want to be in the same room as attempting to be my own God. I'm going to vacate. Being God. He says, be still and what? And know. Knowing is trust. Knowing that God is God is to trust him that he is God. And that he is God provides relief for your soul. That you don't have to be. You don't have to defend yourself. Like, you don't always have to figure everything out in your life. You don't have to be the, the front line of defense. But the verse, verse 1 says, God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our provider. And because of that, you and I can be still and know that I am God. You know what I'm not good at? Is being still. Is resting. And being quiet. Some of my friends in here are like, man, I wish you would sometimes just be still. But I, I'm not good. When's the last time you prayed and just sat quietly? I, I don't know the answer to that for me. I just like to feel all the time. I think God sometimes is like, dude, I wish you would just be still. And let me be God, not you. Look at his promises right after that. Sometimes I comment, I, I just add like, Roger, I will be exalted among the nations. Rest, chill. You don't have to do everything. Roger, I will be exalted in all of the earth. So be still. Are you hurting? Have you been hurt? Maybe life's hurt you. It's people that's hurt you. Something happened to you. You had no control of, and you can't stop thinking about it. Look, God says, "Just, just be still. Let the healer heal. Let me give you grace. Let me give you justice. Let me love you. Let me give you hope. But just stop squirming for a minute and let me. And maybe that's what you need to hear. This is your last question. Will you just be still? Would you just stop and let God be God? I think the the best image of someone providing or someone playing hurt is always Jesus. I mean, the, the biggest picnic in church history, there's 5,000 people. And Jesus says, follow me. And it turns to 500. And Jesus says, all right, I'm going to send you out. And it turns into 72. 72, Jesus says, now go. And it turns into 12. I mean, Jesus knows what it's like to be heard. His best friend betrays him with a kiss. How insulting is that? Of the 12 people, he says to him, come pray with me. And it turns into three. Look, Jesus knows what it's like to be hurt and what it's like to be, be betrayed. And so do you. And so do I. And so who do you look to when you've been hurt? Look, Matthew chapter 26, I told you to kind of have it bookmarked, Matthew chapter 26. Jesus asks his 12 to come pray with me. It turns into three, and they can't even seem to get it right. Look at verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter uh, and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now, uh, I don't know if you know the story of the gospel, uh, the, the story of Jesus, but... He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and in just moments, he's going to be arrested. It's just moments away that that Judas, who at some point was his best friend, one of them is going to come betray Jesus. And he has his disciples come to pray with him. Uh, And this is what he says to his disciples. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Verse 39 says this. Listen, check this out. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and praying, saying this My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And if you got the NIV, the word's gonna say yet. The very next word will say yet. Not as I will, but as you will. But in the English Standard Version, which is what I'm reading, the word here is. Nevertheless, chase out, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to die on the cross, God. I know I'm about to go into a season of misery, God. I don't want to go through this. So God, if it is possible, take this cup from me. What you and I do is we finish the prayer and then we walk away and we're looking for ways for God to make it possible so that we don't have to suffer. But what does Jesus say? Nevertheless, not what I want, God, but you want what you want. Man, if we're going to play hurt, we've got to know that there's something on the other side of this. we got to know that it's worth it. We've got to know that God's will is bigger than ours. His story is better than ours. His life and his love are better than ours. And his eternity is much more than anything we can provide. So God, I know that I'm hurt. But I'm going to keep going. Because it's not about me. God, it's all about you. This morning we've had kind of like a we've had kind of like a crazy day, that's to say the least. Uh, so if you see some things that are just out of place, don't tell me about it. Just fix it, okay? That's the way we're gonna roll this morning. Uh, and if you mess it up worse, just really don't tell me about it. Um, and so I have my keys back there, uh, next to the soundboard and. I really meant to have them up here with me because I wanted to show you something. Not that you could see it, but the dramatic effect of holding them up. Yeah, those are them. Linear. This is how we do We keep it 100. Will you bring them to me? Now, after this, we're going to pretend like I had them up here the whole time. Can we do that? Yeah. Hey, one time I, priest, uh, I got up to preach a sermon at the church I was at before and didn't have my Bible or my notes. <laughs> They're on the front thing, and I was like, eh. Anyway. I was at a retreat this week, and uh, you know, contrary to what you might think, being a pastor is, uh, it can be tough. Here's why it's because we love hard, like really hard, and uh, we want the best life for all of you. Um, And we can't fix everything. So we try and we try and we try, and uh, we kind of put ourselves out there sometimes, and you know, we get hurt. But look, that's what Christians do. Don't hear me saying that. So if you're a Christian and you love and get burnt, don't stop. Just do it again. You're going to just keep going. And uh, what, what this retreat really was, was an opportunity for uh, church planners, guys who start new churches, to, to get together and just to show scars, just to share like how the last couple months or year has gone for you and We shared about our great, like our highlight moments, and man, what was so surreal to me in that room was how very few highlight moments there were, but how many scars were formed in the past year. I shared some of mine, some of these other guys, and we, some of us cried with each other, some of us were just like in awe of some of the pain that happened, and, but you you have the same stuff, you know, like. Some of you tell me your stories, and it's just unbelievable. Like, not that I don't believe you, but it's just like such a surreal moment. And in the past couple of months, it's like Satan has been attacking the lives and the families and the marriages here at Restore. And, uh, you know, we, people who love, man, we, we wear that hard. And so, anyway, uh, talk about that for a long time. I just thought, man, it'd be so good for us to talk about living in the nevertheless. Live, not living in when I get there, but living in the man. I'm right here, right now, God, and I'm doing this right now, right here for Your glory. And so, we came in and uh, we sat down after lunch, and we had uh, these keys. See the dramatic effect? We had the key, these keys sitting on our in our spots, and uh, the 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 guy who's leading the session. He talks about Psalm 46 and. Uh, He's like, man, I know some of you are hurting, but you need to rest and be still and know that God is God and you're not. But he said, I also want to show you this key because in this life you will have trouble. But Jesus says to take heart because he's overcome the world. And uh, he's like, so what is, what's, what's, what's different about that key? And everyone in the room's like, oh, and I'm sitting here like, I don't get it. (laughs) Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just dumb, but I don't get it. And he goes on to talk about the key that he gave us is an uncut key. There's no cuts on this key. It's, I could tell you the lows, and it can become a key to my house. Um, but he's like, you know what? This key right here is useless. You can't use it. The only keys that can open up anything are the ones that have been cut. The only ones that can do any, the only keys that you can use are the ones that have been cut. Man, God wants your life so bad. He wants to use you so bad. And while you're being cut, just know that on the other side of this is a purpose. It's a, I know it's painful, but there's a plan for it. Man, an uh, uncut key, as much as that sounds great in our life right now, useless I hate to even ask for this but it's like you kind of want to be like God I want to play hurt cut me cut me but only for your glory God let my life be a river that streams into uh, into your fame God let my life be a life that proclaims you God let my life be a life that screams the gospel of Jesus because of my hurt let's pray together Man, there's hurt in this room, God, and I I know it. Provide rest. And I know you want to give us rest, but God, sometimes it's not easy for us. God, we just want to shut up. Like, we want to be still. We want to know that you are God. It's obvious to us we're not. So, Lord, we need you. Now, not later, uh, no, we're not waiting, but God, we need you now. Show up, God, show off, flex, do something. To show us that you're there, that you're providing, and that you do not leave us alone. God, you are good, even in the midst of our hurts. You are good, so we will worship you.